Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the heart, with a capital A-R-T. Yes, it is, Mary. <laughs> how are you, my friend? I'm great. How are you? I'm wonderful. I wish everybody could see you today. You have on this Aww. cool leopard print dress. Like, you are so artsy today. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I guess it was just meant to be because it was, you know, that thing that was clean in the closet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. We love when we wear clean clothes. We're, we're, we're having a good day if that's happening, right? I totally get it. So what's new? What's happening with you this week, Mary? Well, I had a good week. Uh, a good week on Main Street USA in addition to all. This was a week where a lot of people, for whatever reason, who were regulars seemed to be there. People that live locally. And they all had such nice things to say, but things that surprised me about why they'll sometimes come, even by themselves. This is one young lady that comes. Her name is Karen. And um, she just expressed that she was going through a real tough time in her life and that that was the area where she could hear the dapper dancing or play with the citizens or watch us play. And it elevated her mood. And it just got me to thinking about how when we elevate our mood, which certainly is something the arts will do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just something that makes us feel better. It is something that gets us healthier. And mm-hmm. I went back to that Norman Cousins story. Mm-hmm. Of, and for those of you who might not have heard, uh, Norman Cousins is someone who healed himself of cancer by locking himself in his room after he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and watched comedies day in, day out, over and over and over and over and just laugh, laugh, laugh till it hurt laugh. But what happens when you're laughing that much is you're releasing all these different chemicals that are actually drugs wow. for your body. It, yeah. Drugs enough that it cured him. Oh, and so that's gosh. how he came to fame. He wrote a book. And yeah, it, you've told me that story. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot about mm-hmm. it. That's amazing. So I hear that type of story a lot at work. And for whatever reason, lately, I've been hearing from a lot of people how theater, art, music has been helping them get better. Uh, and Main Street USA is in part of that equation. I love that. Yeah. And what do you, when you hear those stories, do what do you? How does Miss How does uh, Miss Inca respond? Well, I, I say, of course, uh, and of course i notice you're dressing differently too that has to help yes mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> because missing is all about what you look like not right. how you feel oh you feel better that's great but the bottom line is you look better <laughs> you know it makes me so i actually was at disney for i don't remember it was last week for just a little bit at night and i heard your beautiful voice Aww. coming before the fireworks and it always makes me so happy <laughs> when i'm at disney i hear mary thompson hunt voice resonating throughout Magic Kingdom. It's so fun. It's, it's so honor. wonderful. There's a handful of us that are considered voices of Disney. And for a long time, Epcot was my one park and I did all of those there. And then things change and change, but we all get pulled from time to time. And um, it's nice. It's do you know how to do the monorail voice? Um, I've never done the monorail <laughs> voice. Can you say it? The I don't even know what they say. Well, they say it in other, other <laughs> languages too, language, right? <laughs> I would do gibberish and hope no one notices. <laughs> or or pig, like, pig Latin or whatever. <laughs> Perfect. I think I know what that means. So I'm headed to New York City after the show yes. today, which is so fun. I love New York City, but I'm going because... Um, our director of theater, Donald Roop, wrote an original musical called Flying Lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was first written because um, we were 
doing it for Osceola County Public Schools. And every eighth grader in Osceola County Public Schools got to see this beautiful musical about Amelia Earhart and Frederick Douglass. Imagine being able to put the two of them in the musical and learning lessons from mm. it. But um, really a, a great musical, very like Hamilton style, mm-hmm. R&B, uh, hip hop, um, really cool stuff. Um, some original stuff by Cesar De La Rosa and Jason Bailey. Um, and we submitted it. He submitted it to the New York Theater Music Festival. Uh, people submit from all over the world mm-hmm. and only 10 submissions are accepted. And so his show is um, being produced at the Signature Theater on 42nd Street in Times Square. That's amazing. This week. So yeah, oh. so we're a bunch of us are going up to cheer him on. Yay. Some of our board and some of our, our team. So very exciting stuff. That we're being, Donald. Yeah, that we're being represented in New York uh, from people right here in Orlando. Do you think it, it might ever get remounted again here in Central Florida? Yeah, it could be. You know, the thing about it is it's that it's very educational based, mm-hmm. right? So um, traveling shows for schools or mm-hmm. regional theater, even if it doesn't go to Broadway, which, you know, of course, that's the ultimate goal. Uh, I think it's really marketable to a yes. lot of different, uh, you know, just for different opportunities. So it's a great show. Oh, really, really great show. And, and they put cat. together a fantastic cast. So a huge shout out to the whole team um, that's putting together Flying Lessons. And We're all proud. A cast in New York or do, are they bringing the cast from down here? Uh, yes and yes. Okay. So They're most both. of the people are from here, from nice. Orlando. You can kind of uh, go two different ways with the New York Music Theater Festival. You can fully cast everybody from New York, including your creative team, mm-hmm. or you can bring everybody from home or you can do a hybrid. And he did a little bit of a hybrid, but most of the people are here from Orlando. Wow. Well, I hope it's the first of many more Orlandoans going up and representing. Yeah. Donald's a really great writer. So he super is. exciting stuff. So we have, a, we have a great show today, Mary, yeah. as always. We have a return guest, Teresa Smith-Levin. This is your fourth show, you were saying? I, I think it's the fourth time I've been on, yes. Fourth show. And how many times have you been pregnant when you were here? Uh, this is the <laughs> second time. I am the most heavily pregnant that I have been. Like, and you, you have a, a, a new one coming. Tell yeah. Yes. yes. So this is a little girl who's on her oh. way. I'm a, I'm a little over 35 weeks pregnant. So wow. theoretically, she could come right now. Oh, she oh could, my goodness. She could star on the show. Well, that would definitely be a time. first, that Mary. Would be exciting. I know, first. right? Too bad we're not on TV. It's radio. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And Nicole Dupree's also here. Hello. And Nicole has her hands in so many fun things. And we'll let you t- let you tell her about it. But this is your first time on the show, right? Yes. Yes. Thank you. I'm excited to be Welcome, here. Nicole. For some reason, thank I think you. because I, I put the two of you together that I, I knew had just been here already. We yeah. we say it all the time. We're like sisters, not twins, but yeah. we we can be interchangeable on many things. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's good. Everybody needs a, a, a partner in the yes. arts. And then yeah. Nisha Carson, this is your first time, right? Yes. Very, very cool. And you're in one of the shows we're going to be talking about, Correct. right? Correct. But you're also a musical director. Yeah, music director, teacher. Choreographer. Uh, no, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> She's the artistic director for the organization. How, how yeah, the, oh, okay. Artistic director as a whole. And what do you teach? Say, how long is the resume? Um, I teach piano and voice. Mm, very Lovely. cool. Yeah. So, Teresa, you are the founder and executive director of Central Florida Vocal Arts. Yes. And like CFC Arts, you have mm-hmm. you have absolutely expanded your mission. and It's like, exploded, really. Do you get asked all the time, you know, did you know it was going to be what it is today when but you started yes, it? Yes, and people always think that I had this great vision or something. I think that you did, Josh. I no, really I did really it. didn't. Right. <laughs> I, didn't. I, I didn't have this great idea. It wasn't this grandiose plot. I just wanted to do a show. And so <laughs> I filed 501c3 paperwork and everybody looked at me afterward and said, okay, now what do we do? And I was like, oh, uh. I don't know what we do. And and then we launched our youth programs. Those took off. We started creating original works, collaborating with the Fringe Festival. Um, and then, you know, really just 
blew up. We had a spring institute, a winter institute, a year-round institute. Then we brought Orlando Light Opera on board. We don't do as much under that nomer anymore. And then ultimately Opera del Sol, which really fulfilled the third part of our mission with innovating opera and um, vocal arts to a young professional audience. And so we are just so excited about this sustainable life cycle that we've created for vocal arts and specifically opera in our community. I love that. Mm. And Central Florida Vocal Arts, so remind us of the mission of the organization. You said brought the third piece in here with, yes. with Opera del Sol, but what are the first two pieces? So I talk about um, to synthesize really what we believe in is reimagining what vocal arts can be. And so we start with youth as young as kindergarten, bringing them into our outreach programs, our on-site programs that we do in schools, and helping them to understand that the landscape of being an artist is very different today than it's ever been before, mm. that it requires you to be flexible. It requires you to sort of reimagine what that can be. You know, so we I feel like throughout um, my studies, Growing up and then in college, we were sort of said, this is the one track. This is what being an artist means. Mm -hmm. This is how you become a professional singer. And I got out of grad school and I felt a little disillusioned with that because I thought that's not right for me. And I, I looked at it and I said, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. And so I really want to empower young people to do the same. If the rules of the game don't fit how you want to play, change the game. Mm. Change the game, make exactly. your own rules. How many times do we see young children on Ellen or different talk shows that put something on YouTube and right. it went viral and right. now they've, they're recording? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And and I think it starts at home. You know, being a mother myself now, I think you have to start with empowering your child and say, you know, try something, do that. I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. And when they make missteps and they make mistakes, embrace those opportunities for growth as well. And when you build up confident, empowered children, that's how we're really going to change our community, not just in the arts field, but really across the board. Um, we talk a lot about this idea in our mission that, yes, we want to help children to sing better, to become better musicians. And that's really wonderful. But at the end of the day, it's not really what I care about that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. What we really care about is that we're building better humans. Yes. That they are kinder, more empathetic. They relate to their peers. They don't want to become violent. They understand problem solving and solutions. And healthy confidence. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, how can developing confidence ever be a negative thing? They go back to school and they're able to speak in their history class. They're able to feel confident in who they are, whoever that might be. They don't need to apologize for that anymore. And I think um, Nisha, I mean, has been with me since the very beginning. And we see kids that are quirky and different and maybe wouldn't normally fit in at school in, in the popular crowd. And what I love to see is that those kids go back to school and behave exactly as they are. Mm. And that's their, they feel confident in who they are and they don't need to apologize for that or try and fit into some social norm that doesn't really represent who they are. Ooh, I love it. We're preaching now. Can I get a There's a woman I work with uh, who when she's friends with a music teacher on Main Street USA mm -hmm. and whenever she hears that a young person wants to grow up and be a singer, she'll say, well, sing me a song right now. And the kids don't think twice. When they really want to be a singer, they don't think twice. They break into a song, mm -hmm. and, sh and they'll get a crowd around them. Yes. And at the end of that song, the crowd of strangers, because this is just a happening, applaud for this one. And you see their faces and their parents, like, get tears and excited. Absolutely. And what that's a B12 shot. You've just had strangers yeah. <laughs> listen to you and love you yeah. for your work. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that we're hopeful to do in the future is this idea of having community pianos. Mm. And it's much like what you're talking about yes. on Main Street is having pianos that exist in the community where a child can go up and, and play the piano and sing and just mm. have an experience. And not only does that allow them to have sort of a free audience, a lot of kids who maybe can't afford to have a piano at yeah, home yeah. have a place that they can go practice. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's such a special thing and to build that confidence and, and so to have access. are you talking access. about in restaurants and libraries? Or? Yes, community centers, restaurants. Um, if you, there's- On the streets? Yes, this, on the streets. So yeah. Yeah. Nicole sent me a video about two years ago that was a man in Sarasota, a homeless man who was playing out on the streets. It was near like St. Armand Circle in Sarasota. And he completely turned his life around because he was an amazing pianist who had fallen on hard times and had become homeless. And people were hearing what he was doing and got so excited. And videos about that. got became viral. They started a new story, it. and it changed it. It changed his life around because they saw how well that he played and and how passionate he was. And then now he's he's a musician yeah. and, 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 and being paid and he's off the, the street. Community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so very cool. You know, and when you talk about, you know, kids being empathetic, you talk about understanding, you talk about them being better human beings. If you were to just say it in one or two sentences, how do the arts do that? You said confidence, but is there something else other than confidence? What's the secret ingredient? Ah, relationships. It's relationships because when you make music, it's a lot like, um, being on a team sport without so much of the competition. Mm. You're embodying a character, right? So you have to understand what is their story? Why do they behave this way? How do I behave this way? I often think back to when I did Sound of Music with CFC Arts and I was playing the Baroness Elsa. You know, she's really a villain. But mm. the problem is nobody who's a character sees themselves as the villain. Nobody right. sees themselves as the villain. So you have to get into the mind space of like, well, why did she behave the way she did? Like, what were her obstacles, and you have to come to understand that person's story. And so you build this relationship with a character. Then you also build this relationship with your peers, and you also build a relationship with yourself. You have to understand your own motivations. You have to understand the people who you're working with. And, and when you deeply connect in that way and you build those relationships, you're not going to want to harm one another. You're not mm -hmm. going to want to lash out in that way because you understand that person. You see them as an equal they human are you being. Too. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think the arts are about connecting with your heart. And when you connect that deeply with yourself, you have that inner confidence. Absolutely. Mm. Nisha, what a great way to lead us out of this segment. <laughs> Connecting with the heart on here from the heart with yeah. Mary Thompson Hunt and Joshua Vickery on Magic 107.7 FM. Join us back here. Welcome back to From the Heart on Magic 107.7 FM. This is Joshua Vickery with my talented co-host Mary Thompson Hunt in her leopard cool dress today. She's so <laughs> awesome. And we're so excited today to be talking uh, with three extremely talented, passionate, 
ladies who are making a huge difference in our arts community. And that's Teresa and Nicole and Nisha from Central Florida Folk Arts and Opera del Sol. So welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Already having some great conversation about your mission and the impact that you're having on students and young lives, empowering them in the arts. I love that word, empower. Mm-hmm. Right. Gosh, oh, it encapsulates so much. So, Nicole, tell us about Opera del Sol, because you are the founder of that, yes. uh, of that company, now a part of Central, Flo- 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 Central Florida Vocal Arts. Right. Uh, oh, now I know what it's like when people trip over Central Florida Community Arts. No, I just know what it feels yep. like. Yeah, okay, right. good. So, Nicole, how did you start this and why? Are you an opera buff? Uh, no. So I started out um, as an artist and then as a hair, makeup and wig designer. And so about 10 years ago, I actually started um, as the designer for the Orlando Philharmonic. Oh, cool. um, after I had went to school, I thought I had actually wanted to open um, up a spa. I have, my stepmom is Japanese and she um, was an esthetician in Japan. And I thought that that's kind of where I wanted to go with my career. But once I was in school, I realized that that spa and um, quiet, relaxing atmosphere was not what I wanted to do. Um, but that was about 2008, where then like TV and, and the beauty industry really started to kind of um, blow up. And so I started taking, once I, I graduated school, I decided I want to take some special effects makeup classes. And my very first one was theater and opera makeup. Mm. And, um, you know, once I took that class, he asked me if I would like to volunteer backstage and I got to volunteer backstage and I immediately, immediately fell in love. Mm. What was it? What was it that um, grabbed you? It it was the meet. It was called the medium. And I had actually worked with Susan Neves, who's actually in the show that we're working with now. So she was my very first um, client that I had ever worked with. And it was, you know, what I started to fall in love with is, you know, as a makeup artist, you know, I don't have a musical background per se. So you come on um, and I would read the story, you know, and then in my mind, you know, opera is all about like, you know, love, sex, passion, betrayal, murder. And I would just I just got hooked on what this what the genre was about, you know, and then just being backstage and hearing these voices and and knowing this talent and then having that really amazing intimate relationship with these singers and these actors just really it it pulled me in and mm. so over the years you know having that that relationship with a singer and and that character development you know is really what what hooked me in and and figuring out you know who is this character how do i take you from your street clothes and help you transform into that person and and then how do I help you feel good and confident, you know, enough to be the last person that you see before you enter the stage? And so, you know, 10 years, I, I've worked on about 35 different shows now. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and so my main... Do you have some favorites that you're just like, I'm so yes, proud of the work I, that I did? Yes, um, I, hands down. So I always, my dream was to work with the ballet ever since I yeah. kind of started. And so about four seasons ago, I had this amazing opportunity to like work with ballerinas but then, you know, ballerinas are completely different than regular performers because they move and sweat and jump <laughs> and lift each other. And then all of a sudden, like my artistic, you know, I, I had to change everything. And it was that, you know, on the fly change and and everything that started to make me feel mm. more and more in love. And I would say my favorite by far would probably be Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody got to see that. So I made those prosthetics and those wigs. Wow. And it was one of the most challenging but like 
most rewarding um, shows that I've ever worked on because yeah. it was so hard with Our all that Our orchestra was in the pit for that and yeah. it was a fabulous show and I had no idea you made all the prosthetic yeah. pr- and prosthetics, prosthetics. Prosthetics, yeah. yeah. And we just did um, Wonderland in, in, uh-huh. um, in the spring and, and I did that as well. I helped Arcadian design all that and so all those makeup and wigs, I've been doing um, their, their things. We did Dracula. That was another one of my favorites was a, a great one. And then I did Don Quixote, I think was the very first oh, one that perfect. I did with For them. someone creative in makeup and hair mm-hmm. and the creative, those are all characters that just take a lot of imagination. And Yes. How fun. It, it, and it just, I think over the years, having that intimate um, experience and relationships with these performers, not having myself being a performer is a different and unique way that really truly made me fall in love from a different, more creative and artistic yeah, way. And outstanding mm-hmm. performers too. Yes. Right. And so, you know, the theater has always been, has been my, my love and my passion, but my real job is I, is TV. And so I, I, my, I'm a professional makeup artist and I do a lot of TV, um, and commercial work and marketing and print. And that's, that's, that's my source of income. But then, and where I get to be creative and do a lot of things in media and reach the community in that way. And so over the years, it just started to be like, you know, how, how can I take this, this art, artistic talent and, and do something new and different. And, um, after having worked with other opera companies and in town and things, I was presented with an opportunity, like, Nicole, if you like, I had all these really great ideas that just weren't necessarily um, uh, vibing with the with the uh, missions with other organizations. So I had this opportunity and this crazy idea, like the two of you. <laughs> um, why don't I go out and do it different? You know, I don't want to focus on traditional venues. You know, we want to create curated conceptual performances in unexpected venues. You know, we've done pop-ups on with Lynx buses and on Sunrail train and we did opera on the menu with Maxine's and wow. That's opera cool. on Eola and and really what, any outstanding moments that come to mind with guests that weren't expecting you uh, I would say the the bus the when bus. we went on the Lynx bus was this, that was a true 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 um pop-up so yeah, we had it was a collaboration with Lynx for their um twentieth or thirtieth anniversary. Is it twentieth? Twentieth anniversary, and um we had also gotten the city hall and the mayor's office involved. So what we did is we all kind of got in there in our regular clothes, um and sat in the bus at the regular bus terminal downtown, and we did have the we had two violinists and two singers, and then Teresa and I. Um, and so even though the violinists kind of had their violins out and people were kind of like, what's going on? But they were just kind of just talking to each other and just pretending that we were regular pass, you know, passengers on the bus. And so we took one little detour from the one block over and went and stopped in front of City Hall where the mayor was waiting. Oh, cool. And as we opened <laughs> up the door and the mayor walked on, we started singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Oh, that's awesome. And everybody <laughs> on the bus, it was it was truly amazing. <laughs> they got hijacked for a concert with right? the mayor. <laughs> well, we had um, un- under like uh, hidden cameras on, on there. And then um, we did some things like Telemundo came the night before to my house where we were um, rehearsing and they met us at the final stop down by Florida Mall and... And it became this, it was really great. And so we are any of these on YouTube that listeners yes, can um, yeah, go see? You, How yeah, would they to, find them? Um, Opera del Sol um, on our Facebook page. We have tons of video. You know, video right. content is is really what I'm trying to focus on and, and creating cool and unique mm-hmm. content, you know, that's a little I bit different. pop-up moments. I yeah. just do. I'm such a fan of those because for unsuspecting people that might not ever get to hear a choir or get to hear voices mm-hmm. like yours, like what a gift. Bingo. Yeah. I think that that's really 
again, a huge part of what it's about for us, Mary, is this idea that everyone can be an opera audience Mm -hmm. goer. Sometimes you hear the word opera and people think, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's for me. Yes, it's for you. It's for you no matter what your race is, your ethnicity, your socioeconomic income. Opera is for everyone. There's a different narrative. There's a different story. There's something that you will connect with. And, and Teresa, so, what is opera? You hear the okay, word no, opera, so but funny. what is it? All right. So I have strong feelings about this too. I can, I can go on forever. So, uh, probably each one of us would define know, it a I little, a just a little term, bit yeah. different. I but. have a very broad and I make it very broad because I think it needs to be inclusive. Yeah. Um, I think the arts in general need to be inclusive. And so when we talk about a big word like opera, we have to say that it encompasses a lot of things that, yes, it can be an opera, which is, you know, by Puccini, Verdi, Wagner, something of that nature. We can be talking about the work itself, but we can also be talking about the vocal production. Yes. So there's an opera style of singing that can be brought to a variety of genres of music. So mm-hmm. we have some really exciting plans in the works for Immerse that maybe the music we're going to present isn't from what we would consider a traditional operatic repertoire, but the way we are presenting mm-hmm. it is operatic. So both of those things really are opera because opera in simplest terms is just a story set to music and that evolved into musical theater and now we see other genres. But, you know, Hamilton doesn't exist if you don't have Monteverdi in the 1600s writing early opera. That's how this all came to pass. So Mm. people feel like it's this big sort of grandiose thing and it doesn't have to be it really doesn't and so the more we can bring it modern and relevant and to the people you know whether it's on a bus on a sunrail on an amphitheater around lake eola that we're doing a free festival at any of those things we include our community and we welcome them back to opera Mm. and everybody knows opera when you when you hear certain pieces like the queen of the night if you hear that anyone who has just been in our culture will recognize the piece of music. You're going to recognize, you know, Robin Williams singing Figaro and yes, Mrs. Doubtfire. Sure. I mean, there's all these moments, the Bugs Bunny, where they always have operatic music in the background. So everyone's familiar with it. It's just there's this idea of, oh, if I don't know this, then I'm uncomfortable with it. But you just want everybody to be a little bit more accustomed to it and see the beauty that uh, is opera and how we got to where we are today. So Nisha, you're the artistic director of the organization. And you know, you hear sometimes about vocal arts or symphonic music or opera is a dying art, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know it's not because we're immersed in it, but how do, what are the challenges you have when you have, you know, the Amway Center down the street and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people to go see JLo, right? But you're put on this beautiful production of opera and it's hard to fill every seat. Like, How do you face those challenges in trying to create the work that you do? Well, I think that's where, you know, Nicole comes in as our creative director. She's helping us create uh, visuals that go with what we are doing to make things more contemporary and to approach the audiences that we want to reach. Um, And I don't think we necessarily compare ourselves to what anyone else is doing, whether it's J-Lo or, you know, the symphony down the street or whatnot. I think we just want to create productions and concerts and all of these things that can bring in people that can touch people. um, Entertain and inspire. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. besides putting on a great show or a great performance, what else drives you as an artistic director? What are the things that you want your audience to feel and take away from anything that you lead? Um, I think 
Probably the best example is just, you know, we just did A Tale of Two Cities back in February, and it is not an opera, but it definitely has uh, classical influences. And um, there was just a moment where, you know, I had music directed this production at the very end where people were walking out just literally crying. And so it was Mm -hmm. A Tale of Two Cities. Everybody knows that novel. And just bringing it to the stage and being able to use this music to touch people in that way. Mm. Um, I think things like that really drive me. Seeing those reactions and having people say, hey, I read that book, but I never really understood the material until I saw it presented in this way. Mm. You know, that mm-hmm. that really... Well, Mary said something at the beginning, too, that I think is really interesting. She was talking about how you laughed away cancer. I think whatever the emotion is, there's a catharsis that can happen through art that you can understand yourself and your feelings better through that. And I think that we saw a lot of that as people were leaving the theater, those moments where somebody had been a hero to them or lifted them up or the shared humanity of that moment. Absolutely. We don't have enough of that. It's Mm -hmm. the relationships, the connection. Exactly. Yeah. I think that goes back to what we were saying when we were talking about what we want to inspire our students to do with, you know, connecting with themselves. But There's also a moment when you as the artist, whether you're the music director or the performer on stage or the creative director or the producer, you are able to use that medium to connect with the people in the audience. And Mm -hmm. And your connection transcends through each person connecting and therefore it is vast. Yeah. So those people are are feeling that connection. There's just there's just nothing like universal. I think that's what it's all about. I really do. I think that's what. The arts are forefront for, but um, I think that's what as humans we yearn for mm-hmm. to to create a story. see our humanity through mm-hmm. the other eyes of someone else. They validate who we are as we are them, and that's life. Such good conversation, ladies. And yes. when we come back, we're going to hear about a show that's coming up where we can mm-hmm. all go connect and experience uh, the work of Central Florida Vocal Arts and Opera del Sol. This is Joshua Vickery and Mary Thompson Hunt on Magic 107.7 <laughs> FM. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery, and we're having a fun time today talking with Teresa and Nicole and Nisha all about what's coming up, including the Mikado. And I want to get right to that because this is our final segment. So tell us why we should all go to the Mikado. Okay, so we're very excited about this production. So it's a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. And I love operettas in general because you get the beautiful singing, but it's a bit more approachable. It's a lot of fun. You're going to walk away singing, um, humming along, and uh, happy. Nobody's going to die. De- spoiler alert. Hey. Uh, no one dies in this one. Um, what? So An opera just, where no one dies? I, Come on. That's, That's why opera. you like that better. Oh, okay. so. It's opera light. Exactly. That's an important plot line. Uh, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. Like I Come said, see spoiler it. alert. See how it ends. Um, so it's a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta. And one of the things that's really interesting is, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan were writing around the end of the 19th century. And so you have this beautiful music, but sometimes plot lines that uh, are not always as culturally sensitive as we think that they should be. 
So we've gone through and we've edited the script and we've brought in a lot of modern references and oh, we've nice. made it uh, very relevant, very culturally sensitive, and not only that, really diverse. And so we are very lucky to be recipients of a United Arts and Duke Energy uh, Diversity Grant on this project. And so what we are doing with it, in addition to having obviously the symphony playing, is we're incorporating a bunch of Japanese culture. So that starts on Monday, August 5th, leading up to the actual opening on Friday. We're going to have a display in the Orlando Repertory Florida Blue Lobby that is open to the public free of charge for the whole week to experience um, a lot of Japanese artifacts, a lot of Japanese culture, and also oral histories from... um, People who are living in the Central Florida area who are of Japanese ethnicity. So oh, that's wonderful. That. That's a Good collaboration job, with the Orlando Regional or Orange County Regional History Center. And Pam Schwartz there, she's fabulous. And fabulous. so they've been taking oral histories, and those are going to be playing on the video screen in the lobby throughout wow. the week. It's totally free from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Anybody can stop by and experience that exhibit. So we're super excited about that. Then on opening night, we also have the Taiko Youth Drumline coming to open the show. Wow. So the the Japanese drummers that you see at Epcot, um, it's that same sort of style that will be opening the show before um, opening night on that Friday. And then in addition to that, we are also projecting Japanese super titles for the uh, music during the show, which is really important to me because that means people who maybe wouldn't feel super comfortable listening to the operetta in English because Japanese is their native language, their mother tongue, they will be able to know what's going on. Just like when we go see a Puccini opera, yeah. we're seeing the English supertitles. They're actually able to see it with those Japanese characters. Oh, that's so cool. So we're really trying to welcome a new audience into the opera house and include a part of our community that maybe has been neglected in that way in the past. So we're very excited about that. Not to mention this cast is out of control good. Kit Cleto is our director. Mm. He's an Asian-American director. Eric Pinder is helping with that. We have Space Coast Symphony coming in. Some amazing singers. Arisa Kasumi is playing a female Mikado. We mm. gender bent that role. I'm nice. very nice. stoked about that. Yes. Um, Susan Neves, um, who is a regular at the Metropolitan Opera, is playing Katisha. Yeah. And so these singers are outstanding. And then Nisha is our understudy for our lead, Yum Yum. Wow. Um, Tamir Hernandez is actually playing Yum Yum. And then Nisha is understudying that. And then she also appears in the female ensemble. So a great group of singers. So amazing art, inclusive art, something that's different and fun and modern that everybody will just walk away like, wow, that was totally different and really, really fun. And why did you choose this? I mean, what there's so much things, repertoire that you can, especially with all the innovative stuff you guys are doing, you right. can take anything and turn it upside down. Why this one? Yeah, I'd like to take that. Well, so when we were kind of coming up with what we wanted to do for this season and she had brought up the idea of the Mikado to me, I immediately jumped on it. Um, one little thing about me is my dad and, and my stepmom is um, have been married for 31 years and she is from Okinawa, Japan. Mm. Wow. And so um, I grew up with a Japanese stepmother and I have a half Japanese brother. So um, my family is Japanese. So the the Japanese culture is extremely, extremely close to my heart. And actually about half of the costumes that we are using are from my family. Oh, and that's cool. Yes. And really? Then, like and, right from their closet? Yeah, right from their closet <laughs> or from awesome. my walls. And I have, I'm going to actually have a few kimonos on display that are actually from my home. Um, my stepmom works at the Japanese Consulate General 
in Atlanta. And actually one of the um, the kimonos that I'll be displaying was a gift from them um, to me a few years ago. Wow. And so I, you know, I, I'm using those costumes and I helped to costume the show as well. So it's, it has a very personal connection. Yeah. Can and you think of a better place of something so exactly, important to you to share it with? Exactly. And um, I, my stepmom has a major event, so I'm not sure she can come to the opening, but my father will be there. So that's really exciting. And so it was one of those things, well, what a better production to co-produce together than something that has so much heart for everyone involved. Mm. Mm. And when, the costumes are beautiful. They're Actually, really stunning. Nicole has painted some of these yeah. pieces that we're using um, for the for the show, and everyone is going to be stunned. They are just amazing beautiful. works of art. I've yeah. poured my heart into them. That's for sure. I've spent <laughs> hours and hours hand painting a lot of the the costumes because we're not necessarily doing them straight traditionally, but I wanted to. Um, highlight some unique pieces in some in some different kinds of ways. So you're going to see a lot of the um, the structure and the outline and silhouettes that are very um, inspired by. But some of the ensemble pieces and things are not traditional pieces. They're the um, the shapes, but then I painted them to make them all look like kimonos. Wow, that's what really do you say? Neat. You painted them. What is what do you mean? Like I, you took? I literally a, took paintbrushes. Like yeah, I have to show you pictures. Yeah, I wow. even for my opening. Wait, do you see? Do I even painted my dress for the opening? <laughs> So if listeners want to see any so of these art, photos, are they on a right. website? Um, not yet. I, I want them to be a surprise. Okay. So, but um, like I had mentioned in, in our last segment, I started off as an artist throughout middle yeah. school and, and things like that. So that's how I became a makeup artist. And then this was an awesome opportunity for me to like paint some koi fish and, uh-huh. and uh, you know, lotus flowers and just, you know, and just really make these unique kimono-like um, outfits and things. I can see why you're the creative director of the organization. Thank, thank that you. makes well, total I mean, make sense this in, to me. This yes. incredible partnership, her and I. I am overwhelmed by trying to paint koi fish on blazers. Like, I can't do it. But, like, she does this. She's like, oh, yeah, I just, like, made my gown for opening night. I'm like, okay, I guess I should buy something on Amazon. I hope they ship it prime. I mean, but are you not making one size? for Nisha and Teresa too? Like, right. Well, yes, Nisha's outfit. Yeah, the one that Nisha will be wearing, I will be it oh, hand Nisha's painted. In it, so that's right. Okay. I have mm-hmm. special body needs right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I'm try and find something fabulous. We'll get a mommy and child one. Okay, right. so what nights are the show? They're at the Orlando Repertory yes. Theater, but what nights are they? Uh, Friday, August 9th at 7.30. Saturday, August um, 10th, 7.30, and then Sunday, August 11th at 3 three o'clock. Okay, and how long is the show? About two hours. Two hours, With okay. intermission, so it's not too lengthy. Cool, and is it appropriate for kids? Can families come? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. very cool. And and why did you guys choose the rep? Which theater are you in? Is it the one that's like... Universal. Uh, the Universal. The it's the Thrust Theater. Oh, so, Thrust, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. We've done the uh, Edith Bush for the past two years, so... The honest answer to that is whichever theater the rep has available for <laughs> yes. us to rent. Uh, yes. uh, we have we have a facilities crisis here in Orlando. If if you didn't know, we need more arts buildings. Yeah. Um, but Can you they say are, that one more time? We yes. need more, we arts, need more arts buildings. <laughs> if someone wants to buy us a, a building, building, I won't tell you no. I love when that's um, said. It's not me. It just feels so nice. No, it's it's a it's a. I I mean I don't I don't say it lightly. There's a facilities crisis in Absolutely. Orlando. So. Um, they are very nice to collaborate with us. They work with us. This is our fourth year presenting mm-hmm. there. I'm so thankful for them. And I think we're looking to deepen that relationship 
and possibly even present some of our black box stuff there as well. So. Cool. And so thanks to them for letting us have that lobby display. Yes. That's yeah. one of the things That's we're huge. most excited because they've never had anything like that there either. Big yeah. snaps so. to Jeff Revels on that. That we're mm. that without their consent and, and their collaboration, we couldn't do that. And so that's a huge, wonderful thing. We just had the entire rep team on. Was it last week? Week before week last? Before. And we, we was Chris and Vicky and Jean. And we were Another talking mama. about oh, how do you leave a legacy, right? For those right. who come yeah. behind you with the passing from Jean to to um, Chris. Chris. So super excited mm-hmm. about that. So Mikado is coming right up. But what's that's on the horizon? What do you guys work? Can you... Tease us with anything you're say, working on. Yeah, so Nisha and I are really excited. We should we make a really cool artistic team when we come up with some of the original concepts that we're doing. So we are really excited for what we are going to be doing for Creative City and Immerse. Nice. I mean, Which hats is October, off, right? Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, hats off to Nisha and her creative musical brain. Like, I love to be like, okay, I have this idea and blah, blah, blah. And then we just, I mean, we spent uh, hours just together looking at music, playing on the piano, figuring out what can we do that's going to be unique and different. And we're bringing in choreography and body painting and we're taking, you know, the operatic um, uh, uh, theme, vocal production production Mm -hmm. with some... you know, a, yeah. a twist on some on some songs that you wouldn't expect. Oh. We're gonna say that you will recognize the songs that we're presenting, but you won't recognize them in the way that we are presenting them. So we're gonna arrange them and work with them to make them very exciting and memorable. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And, and what, what are you working on, Teresa? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, so they create beautiful things, uh-huh. and then I ask them how much it costs. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> so, so it is. Remember when we used to get create to get right, to create beautiful things? That's that was weird. back no, in the day. Now we just that. pay no. for everybody else's yeah, grants. Now they just write the grants. <laughs> now, now we write grants and, right. and ask for budgets right. and then talk and to board, board meetings. members. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Um, but no, I love it. I actually, I, I the word empower always comes back and I love to do it with students. But also you'll notice that we're a very female driven um, organization. And mm-hmm. I was truly blessed with the opportunity to go to New York at the beginning of June for something called the American Express Music and Leader Women in Music Leadership mm-hmm. Conference. And um, when we were up there, we were talking about how few female leaders there are of organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, only 3%, 3% of music producers are female. Why what? do you think that is? So we talked a lot about that. And the one of the huge things and I feel um, very privileged to do is there aren't enough women opening the door for other women. And mm. so I want to be a person who opens the door for other women yes. and brings other women into positions of power. So I feel very <laughs> special that these two women create amazing things and then <laughs> I help to make sure that we have money to share this with our yeah. community. Another interesting point is um, less than 27% of all songs you hear on the radio are written by women. Mm. Well, you see a movie, you love a movie, you might see it two or three times, right? Mm -hmm. You love a song, how many times do you listen to it? Tens, twenties, hundred times? Right. And those narratives, those words that you are hearing are primarily written by men, which is not a bad thing, except that how much different would a cultural shift be if we were hearing more female experience and voices? Why are we not? Who is not hiring the women saying this is good? Is it other women? The problem is is it's a familiarity issue. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times, and I think people aren't really conscious of it. It happens in diversity training. It happens in gender politics. People want to hire people that they feel they Mm -hmm. see themselves in. And so if a man is the person who's producing, he sees a young man, he's like, you know, I was you once. He might not see that in a female person of color, 
And so it's hard to relate and open that door. So I want to open the door for other women. I want to open the door for other women who have different experiences than me, who look and speak differently than me. Mm-hmm. I want to bring more diversity to the forefront. Yes. All right, that's a whole other show. We need, we need to have yes. you guys back oh, and talk about empowerment for women in the arts. Yes. I think yes. that oh would gosh, be yes. incredible. Be and how do we create more opportunity yes. and how do we become more balanced yes. in and, the leadership? And maybe some of what we learn will transcend the arts in general. Yes. yes. I mean, the arts should be leading the way, right? Don't right. you think so? And perhaps this will be the beginning of us doing that here in Central Florida. I love it. Well, we've yeah. got to go, ladies. It's oh, been a fantastic amazing. show. But Loved before we go, you. remind us, tell us how we can get tickets. What's the website and phone number? Website is uh, com. You can call us the website or the phone numbers on the website, but easiest way is just to buy them online. It's all digital nowadays. We save trees, no paper. It's <laughs> great. Um, but if you do have any issues, of course, call us. But yes, yeah, cflvocalarts.com. Those dates are August 9th, 10th, and 11th at the Orlando Repertory Theater. Do you need uh, volunteers if anyone out there wants to volunteer? Yes, always. always. Please. <laughs> I run the box office usually. I make sure no one's on fire. I listen to people get mad about microphones. So I'll be doing costumes and doing Contact them if you want to volunteer, everyone. Contact them. Central Florida Vocal Arts and Opera del Sol. Thank you to Nisha and to Nicole and to Teresa. What a great show, you guys. And best of luck. Break legs on Mikado. Thank you. Thank you, Joshua. Always a pleasure, Mary. We'll see you back next week on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart.